0: I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful gratitude journal for mothers. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 39, Leaving a Legacy of Love for Our Children. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, my friends. I am so grateful that you're here, especially today for this episode, which is going to be a true piece of my heart. Today, as I record this, is July 14th, which marks 15 years since my mother passed away from breast cancer and I've been thinking about doing this tribute to her for several months. It was difficult to get it out and to make myself do it and yet I knew I really wanted to. So here goes. If you've been listening to my podcast for very long then you have heard me talk about this before but my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was six years old and she passed away when I was 19. She went in and out of remission during that time and she was an incredible fighter. She always had this brightness of hope and a fierce love for her family all when I was growing up. She's such an example to me and continues to inspire me every single day. Something that you may not know about me, even if you've been listening for a while, is that I am a singer I love to sing, and at various times in my life, this has been a huge part of my identity and how I spent my time, but not really in recent years. Of course, I still love to sing, but it's mostly just for my kids, singing them lullabies or jamming out around the house, and occasionally in church. I'll do solos or sing in the choir. But it occurred to me recently that the time frame when I sang the most, when music was the most important to me and interwoven into everything that I did, was in the last few years of my mother's life. It was the stage of life I was in, towards the end of high school and that first year of college, where I was in show choirs and musicals, I was taking voice lessons and doing voice competitions, and my mom was there with me for all of that. And so what's so special about that is that certain songs have become almost like a soundtrack to some of my most important and final memories with my mom. And I'm going to share some of those with you today. And yes, I will be singing, (laughs) but I'm not just going to bust into song right into this microphone. I actually have some songs that are pre-recorded that I'm going to share some clips of so my sisters love to sing too, and it's something that has really bound our family together. And shortly before my mom passed away, she and I started scheming up a gift for my dad. We decided that we would get a CD recorded of his three girls singing some of our kind of our trademark songs that he loves. My mom knew that sh- that her cancer was terminal, that she would be dying soon. And she wanted to give him something special that he could listen to when he needed comfort or felt alone after she was gone. And we had so much fun, my sisters and I and my mom, um, planning and finding an inexpensive recording artist who did it from his home. I mean, we weren't recording the CD to sell it. We were just doing it for my dad. We picked out all the songs that we would be singing and invited our super talented friend, Marcus, to accompany us on the piano. And my mom went with us to several voice lessons so she could hear us practice the songs that we were getting ready to record. But then her illness progressed really rapidly, and unfortunately, she passed away before the CD was completed. Of course, my sisters and I took on the project and finished it, and it was actually a really special and sacred way to spend time together remembering her in the weeks after her death, and on my parents' wedding anniversary, which is August 12th, so just about a month after she died, we told my dad that we had a special surprise for him, and our friend Marcus, who'd played the piano for us, showed up at our house, and we gave my dad a private concert in the living room. We didn't say anything about the city. He thought that the surprise was the concert, and I just remember him sitting on the couch. My grandparents were there as well. He was just leaning back, smiling that contented smile that he only gives to his daughters. Then after we were done, we said, that's not all, Dad. And we got out the CD that my mom had wanted us to record for him. And he was amazed. He had no idea that this whole project was happening. He was so thrilled. He's not a really emotional, demonstrative person. So it's not like he bursts into tears or anything But the biggest sign that he loved it was that he started making dozens of copies of it and giving it out to literally like everyone he knew, I swear. Um, We were so embarrassed, but it was just a sign to us how much he loved it. I swear he probably gave one to the mailman. Um, That's how many he gave out. And he still has it in his car and listens to it frequently on his commute to or from work. And that little CD is 15 years old and he still has it. So on today's podcast episode, I'm going to share some excerpts from the songs and stories of how each one reminds me of my mom. And I'm going to insert some of my takeaways, but I also want you to be thinking about your own takeaways that you gained just from hearing about my mom and how she mothered. And I would be so honored if you let me know after listening what you learned or thought about as applicable to your own motherhood experience. So to start off, I want to go way back to the beginning and talk about how my mom is the one who saw this gift of song in me and encouraged me to use it at a time in my life when I was pretty vulnerable and not at my best. It was seventh grade, so I probably don't need to say more. Um, I was in the midst of middle school gossip and friend drama, and I remember just sitting on the phone, kind of like breathing at my friends for hours, like we would call each other at night, but we didn't really have anything to talk about, so we would just like sit there, and, um, (laughs) I, you know, was super boy crazy, always talking about that, and I was just kind of listless, I was a bit of a follower, And my mom told me later that she could see this in me and she was really worried that I didn't have any talents because I wasn't athletic, I wasn't artistic, my sisters were both very graceful, I have one sister who was a dancer and my other was great at gymnastics and I didn't have either of those skills and she sort of watched me unable to find my place I was just kind of on her heart and in her prayers, and she wondered how she could help me develop more of who she knew I really was, and it came to her that I'd always seemed to have a good singing voice and could pick up on music very easily, and neither of my parents is especially musical, so this wasn't necessarily like on their radar as something that they should immerse us in from the beginning. Although we did do a little kids' choir called Sunshine Generation when we were little, and then I had taken piano lessons in elementary and middle school. But she thought, I'm gonna see what happens, you know, what I can do with this vocal talent that Rachel seems to have. So she asked around for recommendations for voice teachers and started making calls. And she talked to this voice teacher named Ursula who said that students don't usually start training their voices until they're a little older than seventh grade and their voices have matured some, but that she would be happy to give me a few lessons and a few little pointers and see where I was at because she had an opening in her studio at the time. And she lived way across town. I, I want to say it was at least an hour drive. And my mom was willing to do that for me because she felt so strongly that I needed it. And so I went to my first voice lesson with Ursula as a seventh grader, and it was a match. And I ended up going to a voice lesson with Ursula pretty much every week from that point on until I graduated from high school. And fortunately, she moved a lot closer to our home. So it wasn't, it didn't end up being an hour drive every single week during that time. But she taught me how to sight read. She got me involved in voice competitions. My sisters, who, as it turns out, are both really talented singers, in addition to their other many talents, they started taking lessons from her and they competed as well. And it became something that connected us as sisters. We often performed together. Just such an important part of our family. And since I know you're probably starting to wonder when you're actually going to hear some singing... (laughs) I will play a clip for you from Dad's CD, and this is one of the songs that I sang at my very first voice competition, and it became almost like a theme song for me as I continued to pursue musical theater on into high school, and it's called Broadway Baby.
1: I'm just a Broadway baby Walking off my tired feet, pounding 42nd Street to be in a show.
0: I'm pretty sure that I actually thought that I was going to be a Broadway baby at that stage of my life. The voice lessons did what my mom had wanted them to do. They gave me something to pour myself into that was productive, that was developing me as a person that I could be passionate about, I was good at, gave me confidence and drive. And I got involved in musical theater at my high school, and I was bit parts, you know, all the way through until my senior year when I got to be Miss Adelaide in Guys and Dolls. And that was such a fun experience. And what I remember about it the most is not being the star in Center Stage. It's actually the time that I got to spend with my mom preparing for that role. The school used costumes for the whole cast from a professional theater that had done the show the year before and they had these incredible costumes obviously so the school just rented all of those but the woman who had played miss adelaide in their production was much bigger than i was and so i needed costumes that matched these professional quality costumes that the rest of the cast was in luckily my mom was up for the challenge she was an incredible seamstress And she made all of my costumes for me, for Miss Adelaide. And there were so many costume changes. I think she made me about eight gorgeous costumes. And I just remember spending time with her in her room at night with her pinning and measuring and sewing. And we would watch TV together while she worked on my costumes and talk. And what a precious memory that is. And then getting to share that excitement with her and with my dad of you know, being in that production. And what I love about my mom is that it didn't matter to her if we were the lead or if we were chorus girl number a thousand. She was right there in the front row of the audience. Every night she would come and just be cheering and so excited for us and so excited for everyone in the cast. She'd get to know all of our friends in the cast. And one really special thing that she did was that she would make stars out of poster board and glitter and put our name of whatever character we were playing on the star and put it on our bedroom door the the first like opening night of the show to make us feel like you know we were celebrities and like i said even if we were just chorus girl number 500 she would like put the best cowgirl or different things like that on our doors she had such a talent for making us feel special and loved and supported and for being Excited for us about the things that we were excited for. So here is a clip of me singing "Miss Adelaide," which is something that always reminds me of those precious times that I spent at my mom's feet while she sewed and we got to talk.
1: It says here the. Unmarried female, basically insecure due to some long frustration.
0: it has literally been years since i have listened to that wow did you enjoy that fake new york accent i mean clearly i was destined for broadway right (laughs) such a fun memory and i love that i got to share that time with my parents both my mom and my dad and if you want to see pictures of the costumes that my mom made for me i will put several on my website at 3and30podcast.com so you can go there and see those she was incredible So this is where things in the podcast take a turn towards the more serious. During that whole time that my mom was making my Adelaide costumes, that end of my high school experience about my senior year, my mom actually did know that her cancer had returned. But she and my dad decided that they weren't going to tell us until it became more dire There was nothing left that they could do. She had done chemotherapy and radiation several times. So many times she couldn't do it more. Really, it was just a matter of weight. And they just felt like they wanted us to have a couple of years not worrying and just being able to be normal kids and teenagers, which is a true gift and I think such a testament to their strength and their love for us. It was during my freshman year of college that my mom's cancer reached her brain. And at that point, my mom and dad decided that they needed to tell us what was happening. And I will never forget, I was in my dorm, in my bed. I actually had mono. I was super sick. And I just remember being surrounded by tissues. And I got a call from my dad. And he said, hey, girl, um, we're driving to Utah to see you. And I was like, what? Because they lived in Colorado. like right now? And he's like, yeah, we just need to talk as a family. And right then, I knew. I knew that I was going to lose my mom. And sure enough, later that day when we all talked, they told us the news that the cancer had reached her brain, that they'd given her, you know, six months to a year left to live. And so we started to have to process that and try to understand that. Shortly after my parents came, I wrote my mom a letter sharing one of my favorite scriptures that I had found that had comforted me as we tried to grapple with this news. And she responded by sending me a beautiful care package. My mom was so great at sending fun and meaningful care packages to us at college for holidays, for different things. And she sent me a care package that included a CD of the musical, The Secret Garden, and a really touching letter. And this letter remains one of my most treasured possessions because my mom was not a writer. She did not really share her feelings and her deeper thoughts openly, and she didn't ever keep a journal. So this is one of the very few things that I have in writing from her and advice from her. And I wanted to share some of that letter on the podcast today because it also ties into a song. So I had performed the song Hold On from the Secret Garden the year previous at a voice competition, at the Nats voice competition. I did not know at the time that my mom was as sick as she was. So my mom sent me the CD and wrote a little bit about that song and what it had meant to her at that time and what she hoped that it would continue to mean to me in the future. This is what she wrote. When you called us the weekend that you found out you had mono and you were feeling overwhelmed with sadness, I just wanted to be there to hug you. I kept thinking of the song Hold On, so I got you your very own copy of the CD's Secret Garden. It's the storm, not you, that's bound to blow away. Remember when you sang that song for Nat's? That was such a fun weekend. I had so much fun hanging out with you and Emily and Christine. I just listened to you and Emily gabbing all the way to and from Wyoming, and we took pictures of everybody in socks and used them for your student council campaign posters. And you kicked butt at the competition and won first place in both the classical division and the musical theater division. (laughs) I've always loved the song Hold On, but it had special meaning for me that weekend. You sang it so beautifully that I almost cried. You didn't know it, but I was struggling with lots of health issues. I was so grateful to be able to be there at that time for you. I just kept telling myself to hold on, and sure enough, the storm blew away. But it keeps coming back, and we must keep holding on. The note you recently sent Dad and me was very special. The scripture you quoted really touched us. After we read it, we both just hugged and talked, and I had a good long cry. It's very gratifying and very humbling to be taught by your own child. I marked that passage in my scriptures and wrote along the side, Rachel. I put your card in the back of my scriptures so I can read it over and over. Thank you. Robin Anderson stopped by today to talk. She was 14 or 15 when she lost her mom. She said that she and her sisters are very, very close and that they think of and talk about their mother often. She says they ask, what would mom do in this situation? That was very comforting to me. I like to picture the three of you loving and helping each other through life and taking care of your dad. I worry about that a lot. I realize that I can't hold on forever. The storm is getting closer, and I know my time on earth is drawing to an end. But you can hold on. Hold on to Dad and Sarah and Laura, and especially the Lord. You are an amazing woman, Rachel Elizabeth Westover. I am proud to be your mother.
1: to do is finish what you have begun i don't know just how but it's not over till you've won when you see the storms are coming see the lightning part the skies it's too late to run there's terror in your eyes what you do then is remember this old thing you heard me say It's the storm, not you, that's bound to blow away.
0: Months after my mom wrote me that letter, my freshman year of college ended, and I went home for the summer knowing that it was going to be a hard but also beautiful summer spent with my mom. And that's exactly what it was. It was some of the most sacred months of my whole life. As my mom got sicker, she became more reliant on us to care for her, and it was a privilege. We spent long days together, we had lots of long talks. At night, my whole family would laugh together, we'd sit around the kitchen table, and just enjoy each other, and I'd often fall asleep, snuggled up to my mom in her bed because she liked to have one of us near her all the time. And though she wasn't a writer, and she didn't write us any letters or journaling or anything that summer, she did do other really thoughtful things that fit with her gifts and her personality, She sewed a little baby blanket for each of her daughters to give to our children someday. And I remember going with her to pick out the fabrics and then watching her and my aunts work on the blankets together. And that little monster blanket that she made for my first baby is still my son's most treasured favorite possession. It has a little inscription on the corner that says, With Love, Grandma Sally. And I always tell him that she made that for him before he was even born. We also were planning for my dad's CD, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, and she came with us to some of our voice lessons as we prepared. And I remember one in particular, because I think it was the last week of her life when this happened. She was so weak, but she wanted to come with me. And so we drove there together, and then I helped her into the house, into Ursula's house, my voice teacher that my mom had found for me so many years before. She held on to my arm, and it took us about 10 minutes to get into the house and to get her settled in a chair in the corner. And she smiled at Ursula and said, I'm just here for the music. And she sat there and listened as I sang Hold On and another song, When All Is Said and Done which is about the legacy that we leave behind at the end of our lives and about going to heaven to be with God. And singing that song with my mom sitting right there in front of me was so difficult and also so beautiful. And I think that's how I would describe those final months of her life. They were so hard. In some ways, I feel like that is when I did the majority of my grieving When she was right there in front of me and I knew exactly what I was losing and it was more than my heart could bear. But there were also months that I would never trade for anything, the memories and the moments that I got to share with her. I'm going to play When All Is Said and Done For You at the very end of the podcast, but I do want to tell you about one more special song that my sisters and I practiced together that summer. And that is the hymn, Love at Home. So during that summer that my mom was so sick, all three of us girls were living at home to help take care of her. And that actually was unusual for us because we'd all been camp counselors at an overnight camp in the mountains for the past several summers. My older sister had spent a semester abroad in China, but of course we all came to be with my mom during that special time. And since we were all at home, our church leader asked us to sing a trio to our church congregation one Sunday in July. So we chose a three-part arrangement of the hymn Love at Home, and I think we chose that because it was the only trio that we could find that fit well with all of our voices. And as we practiced it, I remember that we were bickering about who was off key and who hadn't learned their part yet and It struck us as a little ironic because we were singing this hymn about family harmony and yet we were fighting. Um, And I'd actually heard my mom say before that she kind of hated that hymn because it was a bit of a guilt trip for all of the real mothers like her out there in the world whose homes weren't lovely cottages of peace all the time for their families and whose kids fought on occasion. But on the Sunday that the three of us stood in front of the congregation and sang Love at Home, I looked out into the audience and I spotted my mom, of course, locked eyes with my mom, and she was sobbing. Her health by that time was very poor. She wasn't sure she was even going to make it to church that day, and she was just so grateful to be there to hear us singing. And looking at her in the congregation... A line from the song that I had never given much thought to before, even though I had sung that hymn since I was a little girl, this one line suddenly jumped out at me for the first time, and it's making life a bliss complete when there's love at home. And in that moment, I knew that just because my mom's life wasn't going to be a bliss long, it had been a bliss complete because of the love that she had brought to our home and to everyone around her. The next morning was July Fourteenth, two 2003. I crawled into bed with my mom and wrapped my arms around her. And I remember saying, Mama, I know what I want to talk about at your funeral. And she was quiet for a moment. And then she said, What are you going to talk about, Rachel? And I told her that I was going to talk about Bliss Complete and all of the ways that her love and devotion had made my life full and whole and complete, even though she wasn't given a bliss long. And with tears in her eyes, she said, Rachel, all I ever wanted was love in our home, and I got it. I got everything I ever wanted. She passed away just a few hours later. And our family was together, surrounding her and holding hands, when she slipped from this life to the next. And I did end up giving that talk about love at home at her funeral. And then my sisters and I sang the hymn for her and for everyone else who loved her. podcast episode is about the importance of a mother's love. The legacy that we as mothers weave into our children every day that we're with them. A mother's love is not replaceable. and I know that because I still think about my mom and miss her every day, even though it's been 5,475 days since her passing. When I did that math this morning, I almost couldn't believe it. And yet I am able to move forward and live my life with joy because of the strength and the light that she modeled and woven to me as she mothered me throughout the years. One of my biggest heartbreaks is that my mom isn't here to help me through my own motherhood experience. Since she never journaled, I don't have written records of the advice that she would give me with my strong-willed kids or the ways that she dealt with certain situations and what she learned. But recording episodes like this helps me to realize that I do know what my mom would tell me about motherhood. I know because I watched her do it for so many years. I can see from her example how to be the kind of mother that she was to me. So the three takeaways that I pulled from my own life story with my mom are this. First, to think of my children as individuals and to pray to know their gifts and the ways that I can help them develop them. I will be forever grateful that my mom saw more in me than just a directionless middle schooler, and she brought me into the world of music. I think it's not being overdramatic to say that that mother instinct impacted the course of the rest of my life. A second takeaway that I can easily see as I look back on my story is That as we go through our daily motherhood journeys, we need to build in tangible reminders for our kids of how much we love them. Mementos that they can hold on to and look back on to realize that they were truly cherished by us. For my mom, that would be like the stars that she made and put on our doors and the baby blankets that she made when she realized that she was going to pass away before she knew our children. She used her gifts to leave behind some tangible reminders of her love, even the CD that she had recorded for my dad. For me, with my gifts, that is journaling for my kids and writing down their life stories and the moments that I have with them. And it's even this podcast. On the day that my podcast launched, I had a thought come to me that was not premeditated. It was not something that I thought about while I was preparing to launch my podcast. But on the day that I launched it, I thought, oh, good. Now, if I ever pass away, my kids will know what my parenting advice and the lessons that I learned from parenting are, because it will be recorded for them forever in the form of this podcast. My third takeaway is simply this. The work that we're doing as mothers, the sometimes exhausting, unappreciated, unglamorous daily work It matters. We matter to our children more than we will ever know. I know that's what my mother would tell me after a long, hard day. And it's what I know is true because she matters so much to me. So I want to leave you with that one final song that I hope will bring you peace and perspective as you think about the kind of legacy that you are building and leaving behind for your family. And the kind of person that you are becoming and growing into as parenthood refines you (laughs) and stretches you as it does me and makes you more patient and more kind and gives you more wisdom, all of those wonderful things. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for letting me share my heart and my mom with each of you. It's like I get to introduce her to someone new when I tell the stories about her. You'll never know how much that means to me. So here is, When All Is Said and Done.
1: When all is said and done, as the season slips away, when I've taken steps beyond my sight, will I find my strength? greater lights Will my courage grow with every passing day And will my faith be constant as the setting sun When all is said and done When all is said I